inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday September the 28th, 2022, on the feast day of St. Wenceslaus, martyr of the church. Pray for us. Praise be to God. You know, we've had this conversation several times on this show over the last few years, but it still boggles the mind. Why, again, are we giving millions in grant money to organizations that utterly oppose us on things of faith and morals? Golly, it doesn't make much sense. But nonetheless, uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour to talk about Catholic-funded networks that vow to fight for abortion rights. They're not even hiding it. They're not even pretending to hide it. They just they come out uh, full force in support of abortion, especially in, in uh, the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And uh, yet we still give them money, and we even defend them at times. Michael Hitchborn will give us the story there at 35 past the hour. We'll also catch up with Robert Spencer from jihadwatch.org about the uh, the protests, the unrest in Iran. Is this the next revolution there? We're going to have that conversation at 15 past the hour. Join us if you can. And if you are able, we would love to have you at the top of the next hour, our second hour of the program, when Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours True Faith TV will be our guest to talk about evangelization. So it's going to be a full show today. Hopefully you can join us. At least share us with a friend. Hey, U.S. home heating costs are set to increase by 17%, according to the National Energy Assistance Director Association. So that's fun. Oh, but here's the good news. The Senate did pass a stopgap spending bill worth $12 billion to give to the Ukraine. So enjoy your heating this winter while we continue to support what's going on in Ukraine. The CIA has issued a vague warning back in June. June, what is it, September? It's almost October. Back in June, the CIA warned the European nations, to include Germany, that the two Nord Stream gas pipelines that carry natural gas from Russia could be targeted in attacks. Hmm, what happened just yesterday again? One more time. Interesting. Forecasters say the hurricane uh, facing off in uh, Florida has become an extremely dangerous one, Category 4. So please, Floridians, do the safe and prudential thing and get your families out of the way. And my good friend Mark Houck pleaded not guilty yesterday to violating the FACE Act in the federal court in Philadelphia. So praise be to God. Let's keep him in our prayers. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. You looking forward to your heating costs? Free Mark Hawk, by the way. Uh, yeah, we should. <laughs> we should get. We should some, get uh, shirts. Yeah, some. Uh, can we do the fist thing? Is that allowed? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Solidarity. Yeah. F- free Mark Hawk. Free Mark Hawk. Yeah, free Mark Hawk. Uh, I was thinking about maybe getting bumper stickers. You know, that'd be kind of <laughs> cool. That'd be super cool. Praise be to God. Oh man, uh, you know, I feel bad about the uh, the hurricane. It's. Uh, I hope people are prepared. You know, Have you we ever talked lived about that through a hurricane. Uh, yeah, I did actually. Okay. Hurricane Sandy in New York. Really? Yeah, that was a pretty crazy story. I'll tell you about it in the after show. You guys got some flooding that, on that one. Uh, yeah, the power's out for two weeks. For two in weeks. In my case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll pretty swap intense. some hurricane stories. Yeah, this is nothing show. compared to your stories, to be <laughs> no, honest. I don't know. Two weeks is pretty significant. Uh, 
I was fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of hurricanes, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Despite of it all. Despite the fact that, uh, you know, there are some bad news that Rudy and Joe are going to be talking about. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There's actually going to be some good news, like the mission of evangelization. Amen. So praise be to yeah, God. It's good to have God. Gabriel Castillo on. It is. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Haven't seen him in a while. So uh, lots to catch up on today. Lots to cover. So do do uh, us a favor and share us with a friend. But let's pray and let's jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember. O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, and here are your headlines this morning. Just the News reports, Education Department sued to block student loan forgiveness. The Pacific Legal Foundation, a nonprofit organization that fights government overreach, filed a lawsuit on Tuesday against the Education Department in an attempt to block the agency's plans to cancel billions of dollars of student loan debt. They say, quote, Congress did not authorize the executive branch to unilaterally cancel student debt, said Caleb Krukenberg, an attorney with the nonprofit group, continuing, it's flagrantly illegal for the executive branch to create a $500 billion program by press release and without statutory authority or even the basic notice and comment procedure for new regulations, unquote. The Hill reports consumer confidence rises this month despite recession fears. U.S. consumer confidence saw an uptick for a second consecutive month despite ongoing concerns about the stability of the economy and the possibility of a recession. The conference board's consumer confidence index rose from 103.6 in August to 108 this month, according to a Tuesday release. Reuters reports Nord Stream leaks caused by deliberate actions, Denmark's prime minister says. Leaks detected in the Nord Stream gas pipelines clearly were caused by deliberate actions and could not have been a result of accidents. This according to Denmark's Prime Minister Met Fredriksen. Danish authorities assess that the damage was caused by blasts, Energy Minister Dan Jorgensen said in a briefing. He added that the size in the holes of the uh, pipelines indicate that the leaks could not have been caused by an accident such as getting hit by an anchor. Nord Stream pipeline, by the way, is what brings in natural gas to many parts of Europe. And Breitbart reports, House Republicans asked DOD about Chinese farmland purchase near North Dakota Air Force Base. Representative Carlos Jimenez from Florida and 50 other Republicans on Tuesday sent a letter to the Secretaries of Defense, Treasury, and Agriculture asking them to address a Chinese company's purchase of farmland near an Air Force Base in North Dakota, where sensitive national security activities are conducted. While the purchase would mean a huge investment in the city, Republican lawmakers are concerned due to the company's close ties to the Chinese Communist Party. With the farmland's proximity to the Air Force Base, uh, they note is important for intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capabilities. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Lawrence Ripafrata. Lawrence was born in the fortified city of Ripafrata in 1359. His noble family had the duty of guarding the outer defenses of the city of Pisa against the depredations of its powerful neighbor cities. 
At the age of 20, after innocent and promising youth, he entered the convent of St. Catherine in Pisa. He made rapid progress both in prayer and in study and busied himself with the work of the order for several years before being called upon to help in the reform of the movement that was headed by Blessed John Dominici. In 1402, Lawrence was made novice master in the novitiate of the reformed congregation of Tuscany in Cortona. Here, the novices were to be trained in the primitive rigor of the Dominican order. In an attempt to bypass the destructive element of the past half-century, which had reduced religious observation to an alarming state of indifference, plague and schism had been ta had taken toll both in number and quality of the religious orders, and the remaining houses were living under a relaxed observation of the rule and a struggle for survival. John Dominici, under the inspiration of Raymond of Capoa, felt that the time had come to tighten up the observance once more and return to the first practices of penance and silence. His suggestions were not popular among those who lived in the relaxed convents. The only alternative was to begin again with a new novitiate and hope that the idea would take hold gradually and affect internal reform among the other houses. Excellent novices soon made their appearance at Cortona. St. Antoninus and Blessed Peter Capucci and the artist brothers Fra Angelico and Fra Benedetto were among the novices under this great blessed. He was a severe and exacting man when it came to keeping the rule, a man of broad vision and great resourcefulness in carrying out the work of preaching. Eventually, Blessed Lawrence was appointed vicar general of the Reformed Congregation and moved to the convent of St. Dominic in Pistosia where he preached almost continually and had a reputation for compassion to the poor, whom he tended. He taught and visited even in the time of plague. Lawrence of Ripafrata lived to be 98 years old, and in his old age, we have a touching picture of his novices, now men of distinction and authority, coming back to consult him about that, this or that detail of their work. He died in Pistoia in the 98th year in 1457, was beatified by Gregory the Sixteenth in 1851. Blessed Lawrence of Ripafrata, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. And Jesus answered him, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock's commentary said today, Christ seems here to allude to the call of Elijah to Elias. The former was at the plow and the latter called him. Immediately, Elijah or Elias quits his plow, runs with Elijah's permission uh, to bid adieu to his father and mother, sacrifices two of his oxen, roasts them with uh, the wood of the plow, and joins the company of the prophets. 
Jesus Christ wishes that all who follow him should in like manner think of nothing else. Close quote, Hayok's commentary. The Ignatius Catholic commentary points out postponing commitment to the kingdom is tantamount to rejecting it. Jesus shows himself more demanding than Elijah, who permitted Elisha to kiss his parents goodbye before following him. We're seeing the continuation of the theme of the prophet Elijah. One greater than the prophet Elijah is here in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Cyril of Alexandria says, quote, Although the Almighty Lord is bountiful, he does not grant to everyone absolutely and indiscriminately heavenly and divine gifts, but to those only who are worthy to receive them, who free themselves and their souls from the stains of wickedness. Athanasius, St. Athanasius, says, quote, Our Lord teaches the greatness of his gifts, and if he said all created things may be confined by place, but the word of God has incomprehensible power, say not then, I will follow thee where, whithersoever thou goest. But if thou wouldest be a disciple, cast off foolish things. For it is impossible for him who remain in foolishness to become a disciple of the word. Close quote, St. Athanasius. The uh, St. Chrysostom, being quoted in Hadock's commentary, says, however necessary this might appear, you know, like burying your, your dead or saying goodbye to your parents, things like that, however necessary this might appear, however easy, however short the time in which it would take up that it might be, it is not permitted him. Not the least delay can be allowed, although a thousand impediments stand in the way, for spiritual things must be preferred to things even the most necessary. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. You know, I'm thinking of the, the passage when our Lord and Savior says, to those who are given much, much is expected. Let's think about that. If you're called to discipleship, to the apostleship that these uh, these disciples were eventually called, and the bishops, their successors, down to our age, these people are special. They are not just like you and me. They shouldn't be treated like you and me. They are special. They are given much, and much is expected of them. They are to give up all, and not to be like Lot's wife, who turns to look back on the things of yesterday, the things we had in fond memory, we should not be like Lot's wife, but when we are called, we are to embrace this calling and to give everything over to it. Let nothing in the world block us, prevent us, or impede us from accomplishing that task. Hey, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch is up next. been told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Sister Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Michael Hitchborn, our friend from Lepanto Institute, is going to be back on the program. Uh, there is uh, a new a report he's put out at Lepanto uh, that details the funding from the uh, Capital Campaign for Human Development to a group that is outwardly, openly, Hostily, I host with what's how do you say that? Uh, hostility, host, very hostile to towards Catholic Church teaching. We're going to cover that with Michael Hitchborn then. So, again, join us at 35 past the hour for that. But uh, there are tons of stories that I'm not sure how much you have followed the what's going on in Iran. Uh, joining us now from Jihad Watch is uh, Robert Spencer. Good morning to you, Robert. Good morning, praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. Uh, we have been reporting on the protests in Iran. It seems like it's a little bit underreported overall. What, what, what say you? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the establishment media has generally followed the Biden administration in wanting to prop up the Islamic regime in Tehran and not see it fall. And so they are not, uh, not reporting on the full immensity and depth of these protests, usually the presentations on the uh, on CNN and then the New York Times and the like, they say that people are protesting against the forced hijab and in favor of women's rights, and that is true. But less noted and much more important overall is that they're saying we don't want an Islamic republic and down mm. with the dictator. What started all this? I mean. Uh... I know that there's the, the death of this 22-year-old, but was that the actual impetus for all of this, or was there already something brewing? Well, there's been something brewing for years in, in one sense. You know, we had the Green Revolution in 2009 that was put down, and then massive demonstrations a few years ago again that were put down, notably both with an absence of support from the United States government. And now... The discontent has been sparked yet again by, as you noted, the death of Masa Amini in custody when she was arrested for wearing her hijab improperly. We played, actually, the audio clip of her father explaining uh, kind of what happened and how uh, she was beaten while in custody, but they blamed it on uh, some strange illness. I mean, 22-year-olds often just, I guess, uh, randomly die. Uh, it's kind of their <laughs> argument. It's kind of yeah, sad. Yeah, that's what they said, that this is some strange, undiagnosed heart ailment that suddenly struck her in custody. It's highly implausible. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this is a repressive regime. Everybody knows this is a regime that commits numerous human rights abuses against its own people. Mm -hmm. No one is in the least surprised 
that Masa Amini died in custody, mm-hmm. and it would have been much more surprising if she really had died from the undiagnosed heart ailment. What's notable is that her father also forbade Islamic prayers at her funeral. Wow. And he oh. said it was, it was Islam that killed her, and now wow. you want to come and pray over her? Take your Islam and go. Wow. Wow. Robert, you know, what was interesting to me whenever this whole thing came out was why is it is people why are people reacting this way now? Because we've been hearing about stories like this for a long time. So why is this story different or is causing such a reaction? Well, I think that it's probably because you have a young woman who's perfectly healthy, hadn't done anything wrong, and she ends up being killed by the regime's security forces. It was kind of the last straw that these people uh, have been suffering under this regime since 1979. Numerous people have suffered the same fate. And here was a quintessential example of the inhumanity and brutality of the regime. It finally led to the boiling over of the discontent with the regime itself. Why this and not something else? Well, that's one of those questions of history, you know. Why mm. did the assassination of the Archduke lead to World War One? Mm. Sometimes there's just a flashpoint. I see. Uh, Mr. Spencer, uh, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the 70s, Iran in the 70s. There's a lot of uh, photographs circulating around the Internet uh, of what that looked like, and it seemed like there was a little bit of Western influence there. But I'm wondering... Uh, what your take is? Is this the is this the event that's going to change things? Is this uh, is this the the thing that's going to break the camel's back, or is, are are we kind of going to see a little bit more of the same? Well, you know, this could very well be the end of this regime. It could happen. The uh, opposition in Iran is is not very prominent, not well organized because the regime is so repressive, and because. Anybody who stands up and says, I'm a leader of opposition against the Islamic Republic would immediately be imprisoned and killed. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, we are seeing extraordinarily encouraging things that we've never seen before. And that is the security forces themselves turning and joining the protests, not in very large numbers. But once that starts to happen, it could snowball. Mm. And so this could be and more likely, I'm sorry to say, will be ruthlessly put down by the regime. But this is far larger than anything else they've had to deal with before, and they've had to deal with some pretty large uprisings before. Now, the good news is, though, Robert Spencer, is uh, the Biden administration has announced sanctions against the morality police themselves. I mean, uh, so we can rest assured that this is probably going to get taken care of, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's essentially just a gesture to show he's doing something and that he's on the right side. The reality, unfortunately, is that the Biden administration, since it took power, has been assiduously courting the Islamic Republic and working through, trying to work out a new nuclear deal that would just be more appeasement of the regime and would immediately give it $7 billion, many more billions after that. And the regime would use those billions to further its repression of its own people, as well as its funding of jihad terror groups around the world. Mm. Now, I, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to some commentary from some uh, some other folks. Uh, one gentleman who was born in Iran, his family's left under, when the Shah went into exile, they left Iran. So he was a young boy when he left. 
And he was talking about the need for funding and leadership in order for a true revolution to take place. And he mentioned the Shah's wife, and I, I think she's still alive and has offered to come back. Do you know anything about that? Well, I think more likely the Shah's son would be the center of any uh, opposition if it really could coalesce and drive this regime out. Probably the Shah's son would be uh, able, would be in the best position to lead some kind of interim government mm -hmm. and maybe even a longer term government. Uh, there's certainly a lot of nostalgia for the time of the Shah, which is kind of ironic since he was overthrown in a generally popular uprising. Mm -hmm. There have been people, whole stadiums of people at soccer games chanting, long live Reza Shah, who was the, uh, the Shah of Iran's father. That is the Shah who was overthrown in 1979. His father, who ruled in the 1930s and 40s, is uh, is something of a hero to the Iranian people. And for them to chant that openly is an open repudiation, of course, of the Islamic regime. But as you said a minute ago, though, we expect to see a brutal uh, suppression of all of these protests, do we not? Yeah, that's what's the, unfortunately the most likely outcome. However, the recurrence of this phenomenon of these mass protests and the increasing defensiveness of the security forces is a real sign of hope. And it could happen that the security forces will just give up. Mm -hmm. I mean, after all, they are beating and shooting their own mothers and sisters and daughters. And at a certain point, you know, we can count on human nature to simply recoil in at least some of them. And it's like I said, that's actually already happening. There's some who have join the other side, and we can only hope that will continue. That's probably the best chance that the regime will fall. But one of the things that struck me in all of this, and watching at least some of the, the footage that has gotten out, because they shut the Internet down, so there was there's some challenges to getting the, the, the footage out. And I haven't watched a lot of it, and I understand there's actually some crazy footage that, that's been circulating the Internet. It seems to me like they're on one side of the uh, of the sort of the moral compass spectrum here, right? So the hijab is on the extreme end, but it seems like they're going to end up on the opposite end of the spectrum and just embrace everything that the the West has to offer by way of the revolution, the, the sexual feminist rev revolution, rather than find that happy balance. How do you see that? Well, you know, that's very possible, and that would be a shame. Um, unfortunately, the times that we live in with the West being so sunk into this madness and depravity, it's likely that a lot of people in Iran would see that as liberation. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a general disgust with uh, Islam that might lead also to people just going too far in the other direction. Uh, on the other hand, there's also quite a lot of conversion to Christianity, as well as to Zoroastrianism, of course, which is the historical religion of the majority of the Iranian people. Mm. And so that might end up counterbalancing the, tend the temptation to follow the West into all this craziness and idiocy that we're mired in now. I can't imagine, though, that the... Uh the hardline uh, Muslims would sit around and just watch this happen and see this uh, country uh, leave, right? So 
that probably are going to be pouring into this country, I would imagine, to try to uh, stem the tide? Uh, you mean people actually moving to Iran in order to try to keep it Islamic? Yeah, I'm thinking of the you know? I'm thinking of the jihadists. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be pouring in here. That's an interesting question. Yeah, it may be that if there is some kind of mass apostasy, then there'll be a reaction. Uh, that to tell you the truth, that had not occurred to me. But you're right. There is, certainly there's a contingent of jihadis around the world, and they go to hot spots. They've gone from one to another since back in they were back in Kosovo in the 1990s, and so it may end up that 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 if there is a revolution in Iran, that that would end up being the next jihadi uh, hotspot. Could this spark a war in the Middle East? Uh, yeah, that's remotely possible. That's always possible. Um, the thing is that Iran is more likely to spark a war in the Middle East if the regime doesn't fall. Mm-hmm. And if Biden gives it billions, because then they're going to pursue their genocidal aims against Israel, the Sunni states, particularly Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Bahrain, they are threatened by the Iranians to a tremendous degree. And so actually, if the regime fell, it would be probably a movement toward peace in the region. Mm. We're down to just a few seconds here with uh, Robert Spencer. He is with Jihad Watch. Jihadwatch.org is the website. He's got an article over there. I encourage you to check it out. Iran protests spinning out of control. Regime lashes out at foreign interference as Biden sanctions morality police. Uh, Very good article. I think it summarizes the difficulty of the uh, Biden regime sort of fanning the flame here. But let's pray for everybody in Iran. Uh, Let's pray especially for their conversion. But, But Robert Spencer, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your time today. You too. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Look forward to having you back soon. Hey, don't go anywhere. After this quick break, we're going to have more breaking news and stories for Rudy Carlos. And then Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto is going to be on. All that and more is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and it's against freedom? G.K. Chesterton says, Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are the walls of a playground. Freedom exists only within the rules. The greatest act of freedom is obedience, not disobedience. Breaking the rules never makes us happy and certainly does not make us free. God's rules are for our good, not to restrict us, but to protect us. That is how the truth makes us free. Chesterton says that while the church has established rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. You want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Ground News reports, ex-Nigerian official gets five years for pandemic fraud in U.S. 
A former Nigerian government official was sentenced Monday to five years in prison for stealing more than $500,000 in pandemic relief benefits in the United States. Abidemi Rufai was wearing a $10,000 watch and a $35,000 gold chain when he was arrested at JFK International Airport in New York on his way to Nigeria in May 2021. Catholic News Agency reports Catholic University raises replica of Notre Dame de Paris truss. The truss, a support, uh, a roof support structure rather, went up just hours before Philippe Villeneuve and Rémy Fromont from uh, from France, chief architects leading the restoration of the historic cathedral, visited the U.S. for the first time since uh, the fire engulfed the medieval church in 2019. The architect's first stop, the university said, would be to see the truss. The raising was no small feat. The 45-foot uh, wide by 35-foot wide white oak structure weighs 8,100 pounds. Its creation, the university noted, is also remarkable. Produced using traditional 800-year-old methods, the hand-hewn truss was created using blueprints of the original. While the creators originally dreamed of gifting the truss to the cathedral, they are now hoping to donate their talents instead and travel to Paris. They say, quote, we'll be sending American students and craftsmen over there to work with their materials and their supplies, said Sam Merkline, a graduate student studying architecture who is involved with the truss project. And the Epic Times reports, here's how long Costco plans to keep its iconic $1.50 hot dog combo. Costco will be keeping the price of its signature hot dog and drink combination inexpensive for customers despite soaring inflationary pressures, although prices for other items at the store may increase. Now, just to give you a baseline, according to a May report from MarketWatch, if adjusted for inflation, which was 8.3% in the United States in August, the hot dog combo would now be $4.11, back from $1.50, just to give you an idea of how much inflation is hurting us. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Back in my day, hot dogs, 25 cents. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. Good, the good old days. Chili cheese. The Coney. I worked at Sonic when I was in high school, so. 25 <laughs> cents. That was back in the, uh, had the Coney 1930s, dogs. 1920s. <laughs> Technically, it wasn't 25 cents. I don't remember what it cost, to be honest with you. I couldn't it was a nickel. afford it no matter what it was. That's my raise. I got, a ra- I got a nickel raise. Like, you're doing such a good job, working 80 hours a week, slaving in the kitchen. I'm going to hey, give you a nickel raise. Keep the pretty face. Hey, that's like, that's yeah. like a $10 raise today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like a nickel. Wow, thanks. That's amazing. All right, praise be to God. Uh, joining us right now is our good friend Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute, lepantoin.org, with another, speaking of good news, another uh, uh, news of good report. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. <laughs> You're nothing but good news. You know that? Have you ever been accused of being nothing but good news? I'm all puppies and sunshine. All puppies and sunshine over at the Lepanto Institute. Nice. But nonetheless, someone has to do the work, right? Somebody has to because nobody else will. So that leaves Well, you, you know, if uh, if you have a clogged drain in your sewer pipe, you call a plumber. That's right. Uh, if, you, uh, if you have a rat infestation, you call an exterminator. Mm-hmm. If uh, you have heretics in your church, you call the Lepanto Institute. <laughs> <laughs> True story. All right, so we, we've, we've covered a lot of this in the past, but this is a new report, and it's like, golly gee whiz, there's, what else, what, what, this, I read the report, and it's like, what is left to be said here? It seems very obvious to us what should be done, but nonetheless, why don't you take us through it? So the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which uh, most people already recognize as being a Marxist bastion of, of 
just awfulness, um, has been funding and promoting organizations that are engaged in the promotion of abortion, contraception, homosexuality, and Marxism <laughs> since its inception. And this, this goes back uh, 50 years now. And, you know, I've, I've been writing about this. I've been exposing various organizations receiving funding from the CCHD. And the CCHD always has some excuse. Well, you know, they didn't really promote abortion. It was just some low-level volunteer that went ahead and promoted it on social media on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So what makes this report different from all of the others that I've done, Faith in Action is a massive network that the CCHD has had a very intimate relationship with since 1972 mm -hmm. uh, when it was originally called the PICO network. Uh, and, and anyway, um, the organization itself from the very leaders at the top took a formal position against the overturning of Roe versus Wade and declaring that they were going to be fighting in favor of so-called reproductive rights. Wow. Wow. I mean, what else do you need, right? I mean, if you're going to fight for abortion, college you is. Uh, that and nickel, I mean, you should just understand that this is completely contrary to the Catholic Church's teaching on faith and morals, and yet we are seemingly aren't going to do anything about this. Uh, apparently, and uh, what's more, I, I caught the uh, CCHD you know, defending faith in action back in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, we had produced a series of reports showing that Faith in Action was actively electioneering on behalf of Joe Biden and several other Democrat candidates. Uh, and at that time, we even found several instances of them promoting abortion, promoting uh, homosexuality and that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. the CCHD came out with a vigorous defense. It was just... Well, you know, this was a misunderstanding, and it wasn't as bad as Lepanto, Lepanto Institute's using incendiary rhetoric and all yes. this stuff. And it's it's more of the same. But at this point, I don't know how they can deflect. I really don't. According to your report, uh, Faith in Action has, and all of their collective organizations have received four point eight plus million dollars from the Capital yeah. Campaign for Human Development. Uh, I don't know how, how far back does that go. That goes back to 2016 when uh, Faith in Action, uh, when it was PICO, uh, got a $500,000 national grant from the CCHD. What's mm -hmm. interesting about that particular grant is that it was, it, was, I, it was either the next year or the year after that Faith in Action com or PICO completely rebranded as Faith in Action. So it's almost like that $500,000 grant helped Faith in Action change its entire perspective and its entire approach to things. Hmm. And it was then that they really started to morph into this pro-abortion, pro-contraception, pro-Marxist agency. Now, what does, okay, so putting the abortion issue just to the side for just one second here, and I, I will definitely going to come back to it, and the smoking gun that's in this report is, I mean, smoking guns. It's an arsenal of smoking guns, basically. But uh, nonetheless, what, what does Faith in Action actually do? Besides the abortion issue, what else do they do that we might say, hey, that's a good thing, but what is it? What is their, their main charism? So Faith in Action basically bills itself as a, um, a, an agency that helps social, you know, community organizing and, and goes to help immigrants and, and uh, it does a lot for the black community, allegedly. But the, we have to remember these community organizing groups that get funding from the Campaign for Human Development, mm -hmm. they don't do direct services. They're not helping mm -hmm. people get jobs. They're not helping people get, you know, 
food and housing and clothing and anything like that. Mm -hmm. They're doing political agitation. And the, the whole focus of the political agitation is to enact change. Whether that change is good or bad doesn't really matter. Uh, they just need to continue to do political agitation until they get what they want. And sometimes they'll start with something very innocuous, like uh, we need to um, uh, get a stoplight put in at this street corner because people keep getting run over. Wow. And they'll, they'll organize the community, but what they do is they get them all angry. Mm -hmm. They have to get them all angry and upset and march around and yell at the uh, politicians until they get what they want. And then the community leaders, and this is all in rule, Rules for Radicals. It's all Saul Alinsky's blueprint. Yeah. They then move on to the next issue and then the next issue, and they build an organization. They make money doing this, and then they, uh, they start pushing social issues, and they start pushing uh, economic issues, and a lot of it, and, and it always trends toward the same direction, Marxist immoral agitation. So $4.8 million to stir up political controversy, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Golly, Jewish. could you imagine if we have given $4.8 million to evangelization? Uh, $4.8 million <laughs> to a soup kitchen. $4.8 right. million to a homeless shelter. Uh, to a pro-life shelter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, $4.8 million to buy portable showers for the homeless. I mean, I can think of a lot of things that $4.8 million would be an amazing spend on to... Uh, to push those, uh, you know, corporate works of uh, mercy and charity that we believe in, but four point eight million dollars to support our political uh, rivals, four point eight million dollars to stir up uh, community action for for someone's personal agenda doesn't seem like a good spend of money of donor dollars. Uh, ha has CCHD taken a big hit uh, in recent years? I mean, how have their coffers of uh, fared in all of this? That's hard to tell because. Uh as a religious organization, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is not obliged to produce uh, a 990. So oh, we don't really? know what the income aspect looks like. I can look at their annual reports, mm -hmm. but their annual reports don't tell me um, how much went to a particular group. It just tells me what their budget is at the end of the year. So it could be that you know, the, the CCHD has taken a massive hit in the collection, but then they're reallocating funds from the general fund of the USCCB in order to make up the shortfall. We don't know. Wow. So they treat the USCCB kind of like the Dawson uh, fund that happens every year. So every parish has to, has to pay the tax mm -hmm. to the diocese. So the diocese are doing the same back to the USCCB. Yes. Oh, yes. Every diocese is paying into the USCCB. Okay, so I was thinking maybe we vote we, we vote with our checkbooks, but at the end of the day, there's still a check being cut no matter what, it seems like. Hold that thought. Michael Hitchborn is our guest. LepantoIN.org is his website. Lepanto Institute. You can go to LepantoIN.org forward slash FIA for the full report. But on the other side, we're going to get Michael to share with us some of these smoking guns. It's really disturbing. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the Statehouse. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What is the life expectancy of any human organization to exist under one rule of law? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the deceit of dominance. Kingdoms, empires, and societies all come and all go. Why? Moral decay, a blind eye, and defiance to the order of a civil society. Secondly, history. Kingdoms such as the Persians, the Greeks, the Ottomans, even the Roman Empire made it for around a thousand years, but soon they all find themselves failing, imploding, and finally splitting. Ah, but there's one that has survived, the Catholic Church, and under one rule of law. And thirdly, my take, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would infuse the apostles with a divine glue that would hold his church together. It is a human impossibility that the Catholic Church would persist through time, terror, and trouble. Well, the Rolling Stones have lasted 60 years, the Atlanta Braves about 150, the teetering Southern Baptists about 180, but we're still here 2,000 years later, and the best is yet to come. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute's our guest. We're talking about his latest report on faith in action, who have uh, really, yeah, there's no more hiding. They're not even trying to hide. They're just coming straight out with it with tons of references in this report to their out and out, no holds barred, non-apologetic support for the uh for abortion for the death of children in the womb of their mother uh maybe you can share with us some uh, some of the uh, more uh, shining examples from your report michael the um the 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 main thrust of it comes from a press release that was put out on june 24th of this year the very day that roe versus wade was overturned uh faith in action put out a press release it was on their website uh, and the headline says, faith, faith leaders stand with women after SCOTUS decision, demand access or expanded access to what they called maternal care. It's ironic that they call it maternal care, considering everything that they say in this is all about abortion. The headline or the, the, the opening paragraph says, clergy and organizers with faith in action, the largest grassroots faith-based organizing network in the United States, are speaking out against today's Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. So right there, right at the very beginning, mm-hmm. they're they're out with it. And uh, I think you know, honestly, they they say things like the, the the executive director Alvin Herring says it's a huge blow to women in this season of despair. We have to speak out against dangerous policies that chip away at having agency over their own bodies. Um, he says it is our job to stand against policies that make the lives of women more difficult. So, you know, they, they kind of twist the language in, in such a way it's, it's not even recognizable as English. But I think the most egregious statements had to do with comparing abortion to something that God wants. Uh, Do, Reverend Dr. Cassandra Gould, who's the senior strategist for Faith in Action, mm-hmm. she said the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe not only puts those who, those who, inequities have caused to be perpetual this is badly worded by the way <laughs> underprivileged such as poor poor women black women and other women of color at risk but it also inherently shows contempt for the creator so overturning roe shows contempt for the creator i mean How, talk about an ironic yeah, statement yeah no that's calling the good bad and bad good that is some dangerous language right there that you would put that into the mouth of our lord it's uh that is that it's is blasphemy. blasphemous yeah mm-hmm. what gets worse 
because uh, Reverend Camilla Hall Sharp, who is on the clergy organizing board, said that um, as a follower of Jesus, I believe my rage aligns with his. Hmm. Yeah. That's so it, it, this is crazy. <laughs> this is straight up blasphemy. Yeah. I mean, the report is filled here with uh, with the actual documented evidence. But uh, let me ask this, because uh, not all that long ago, I uh, happened to witness firsthand uh, a bishop make statements about reports that have come out of Lepanto. And hmm. the fact that uh, they don't it's clear that they're not ever reading your reports mm-hmm. like they're they're only basically going off of what they've been told by someone else in response to your reports, but they don't ever read the reports. And it's something you and I have discussed in the past on the show. So you've got the staff at the USCCB who kind of do these things, and the bishops that don't have time to deal with it or look into it or willfully look the other way, uh, mm-hmm. they are claiming you know ignorance in this, or they, they give themselves the pass because they're never actually reading any of the reports. And I just shake my head, and I'm like, God, you is. I don't know what else Michael and, and the Lepanto can do besides provide you the plain facts. Right. Well, uh, I can only do so much, but listeners and faithful Catholics can do a lot more by printing out the report, going and having a meeting with your bishop. You know, make a meeting with the bishop and say, Your Excellency, I'd like to have a meeting with you to talk about donations to the diocese. Mm-hmm. Don't give him any details about what else you want to talk about. Just say, I want to talk about donations to the diocese. And I'm sure he would be more than happy to sit down to talk to you about that kind of thing. <laughs> Rose is and, then, <laughs> and then you pull out the report and you say, Now, before I give anything to the diocese, can you explain this? And let him let him explain it. And if he can't, Tell him, we're not giving a dime until this goes away. Now, Michael, this is uh, something that I was thinking about when we were talking at the end of the last segment. The idea of not giving money to your diocese because of this is, at first, my, your first thought is, okay, well, we have to stop this, so let's stop donating to it. But then if you don't stop donating to it, they're going to just take the money out of your diocese. And then we have an obligation to try to take care of our parish, take care of our diocese. And it's a trickle-down effect because of the bureaucracy of the USCCB. If we don't give to our parish, then the, to the, then the, the diocese is going to take it from directly from the parish anyway. So no matter where you stop paying, they're going to get the money. Or they're going to shut down your diocese. So can, what can we do other than what you just suggested? I'm also thinking of as a possibility of can bishops pull out from the USCCB? Can they say, hey, the, we're as the diocese of Wichita, Kansas, we are not going to be participating in the USCCB until this is cleared up. Is that something that the bishops can do? What's the deal here? So to answer the last question first, yes, a bishop can pull out of the USCCB and does not have any obligation to it whatsoever. Um, a bishop is sovereign in his own diocese, and the USCCB, or bishops' conferences themselves, have no canonical status. It, it has no authority. So a bishop, yeah, he can pull out. In terms of uh, the, the problem of taxed parishes and taxed dioceses, uh, the, the thing that I always recommend, first of all, if you write your check and put in the memo section, uh, when you write a check to the USCCB or to, to your uh, parish, you put in the memo session, section that this is for lights or this is for the electric bill. 
or this is for the building fund, or this is for vestments, or this is for uh, obtaining more hosts. You know, whatever it is that the parish needs, mm -hmm. if you put in the memo line that this is for that particular thing, it has to go to that particular thing. Now, conversely, money is fungible, right? So if if you give to one particular thing, then you know that you're displacing money so that the, the diocese can take other things. However, if everybody itemized exactly what was getting funded at the parish level, then none of it could be taken from the diocese. Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider. Something else, there is discussion among some parishes to create what's called a parish fund, which is a 501c3 totally separate um, entity from the parish run by a parish council. And then instead of giving to the parish itself so that the bank account of the parish uh, can be taxed by the bishop, mm -hmm. people then give money to this to this foundation, this parish foundation, and then the foundation says, okay, Father, what do you need paid for? We'll pay for it. And all of the payments for the particular parish comes out of that foundation, and then nothing in that can be touched by the diocese at all. So that's another solution to the problem. Yeah, it's a tricky piece of business, uh, but ultimately this is why my family doesn't give to the Capital Campaign for Human Development anymore, and I'm sure a lot of families don't, but uh, as I think Adrian was pointing out, it's uh, so complicated now that I don't see it being uh, lacking in funding. But nonetheless, do you, th I mean, uh, it's obvious to me, but I want your take on this. Do you think the uh, USCCB will continue to fund Faith in Action in spite of the overwhelming evidence? I think that there's a real possibility that they're going to be forced to sever ties with faith in action because there really is no, they can't explain this away. Uh, they can't just sweep it under the rug like they've done with so many other things. This is so op just in your face and, mm -hmm. and up front that they can't just walk away from it. So I think that there is a possibility that they'll have to defund faith in action, what but they're going to do that? so quietly. What would hmm? spark that? What would force that issue? More coverage. Just yeah. outrage from from parishes where people are calling the dioceses every day what are you doing about faith in action what mm -hmm. are you doing about faith in action go to your priests make have your priests call the diocese the good mm -hmm. ones anyway good priests call the diocese and say this is ridiculous i can't possibly collect for this collection as long as you guys are funding a group that has taken this open stance uh in, in favor of abortion how can we possibly do that um so it's it's all about really pounding the phones uh, getting the message out and trying desperately to get bishops to, to withdraw from the CCHD. And I do think uh, convincing the good bishops, the few that there are in this country, mm -hmm. to say we're done and to personally and publicly withdraw from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development and say yeah. we can't possibly participate in this. If bishops started doing that, they would have to address this issue. Yeah, you know, and this is also something you and I have discussed in the past as well. And there's one of the things I love about your website is you have uh, on your report, on your homepage, charity reports. So if you're out there and you go to LepantoIN.org, you can see charity reports there. It's just forward slash charity hyphen reports. And you will see a list of charities because it's like, come on, Michael, they're trying to do something good for crying out loud. Why are you so critical? But the reality is there is a list of organizations that do great things and aren't actual heretics and right. and against us in the church why not just give them the money instead and i love this list tell us about this list real quick 
So we have a list of, of nearly, I think it's about 90 different organizations that we've profiled uh, going over, um, I mean, it started with organizations that we've found to be just awful. And uh, we had people saying, well, where can we give? And I started looking through and I said, okay, well, let's, let's find some good organizations. And we started looking, people would say, well, what about this one? Or what about that one? And we found a lot of really good ones like the Cardinal Kung Foundation mm-hmm. um, or the uh, Aid to the Church in Need is also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also recommend um, Caritas and Veritate, uh, Cross Catholic Outreach, uh, Catholic World Mission. So there, there are quite a few good organizations that are, that are worthy of receiving Catholic funding and, uh, you know, just avoid the ones that talk about right. social justice because yeah. The, yeah. those tend to be the ones that are really bad. Yeah, and, and not every one of these organizations that you have marked as safe on this list are even Catholic. So it's not right. even trying to play that game. It's the organization mm-hmm. does not oppose us on faith and morals. They're doing corporate works of charity. They're doing great things, so why not? Why not support them, fan their flame? If that's the intent of grant money from donors uh, around the Catholic Church in America, then these are okay organizations. And I love that. It's super easy to read this report and say, okay, uh, this one is not safe and that one is safe. Green versus red. Super straightforward. And this might be a great tool to take to that meeting with the bishop to say, Your Excellency, Your Eminence, here's the organizations we'd love to see get some of that $4.8 million of our hard-earned money in spite of inflation, in spite of sending trillions and billions to overseas interest. Let's do this instead. Praise be to God. Michael Hitchborn, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much. God bless you. Check them out online, lapantoin.org. Check out the report. Check out the charity list. Hey, at the top of the hour, Gabriel Castillo will be our guest. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. Check us out online, grnonline.com. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes. About 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. 
Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. This is Melissa from St. Bartholomew and Katie, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Joe Institute, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. If you missed that hour, you should tune into the podcast. Uh, you can always find the podcast on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can listen to the podcast right on our website. You can also get it on iTunes, uh, but you do have a moral obligation uh, upon pain of excommunication if you do not leave us a five-star review there. Uh, don't fact-check me on that. Don't, don't, no need to Google the Vatican's website looking for that document. Just trust me. We will personally yeah. mm-hmm. excommunicate you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ad, ad latentia. What's the Latin? Latentia. and Thank you. Latentia. Latentia. If you should not leave us a five-star review on the iTunes podcast uh, feed store. I only know that because I'm personally excommunicated. Is that right? Late Sententia. Late Sententia. Yeah. Not surprised, but nonetheless, uh, do leave us a five-star review. It does help us to reach a whole new audience. Every time we get a five-star review uh, podcast, uh, shares us with a friend, and I think angels get their wings. So, right. <laughs> so try that out today. Uh, do Another your, one starts do dancing part. on the head of the pin. <laughs> yeah, do, do your part for the team. But if you really want the super easy button, the best thing probably for you to do is to download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app on your iOS or Android app store. It's free. You can listen to your local live radio station uh, crystal clear 24-7. Praise be to God. You can get your contact information for your local GM programming information uh, to see what's coming up on the on the the radio show. And then, of course, you can listen to the podcast feed in the flyout on the app. So it's probably one of the best ways to truly stay connected to the Guadalupe Radio Network and listen to the podcast of Catholic Drive Time. All that in your Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. Praise be to God. What would you do with $4.8 million? We gave $4.8 million to an organization that supports abortion. I don't know why we do, would do such a thing, but we did. Nonetheless, what what would you do if you four point eight million, Rudy? What, what would you do with it? Four point eight billion? No, million. Oh, million. Yeah. Okay. Million. We're not talking about Ukraine money here. We're talking about just million. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if I had that much money, mm-hmm. I would probably open up a production company. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would. Uh, I would. I would start a production company. What would it be called? Birding or like? I don't know. Something cool like Seraphim Productions or something like that. Seraphim Productions. I like that. I don't know. Okay. Something like that. I like this idea. I would definitely use it for media because I think media is a powerful medium with which that moves people's hearts and minds. And if I could do that at an uber professional level, I think we could have a great impact. So maybe I would just like invest it in in the stock market. I would lose it all. Crypto. 
Uncrypted. I would put it all in dark chocolate. Put it all uh, in Dogecoin? Pure a dark chocolate as I could possibly find. I think it'll return a better investment. But, I would yeah. try to get as many religious to come to Houston as possible. Really? Yeah. With 4.8 million, you With can get that million. done. 4.8 million. Yeah, okay. because you, a lot of them uh, are looking for convents. And you can and build if one. If you build one, you'd be able to come. build one. Maybe one, maybe two. Million. Not even yeah. one. Yeah. Not even. Maybe half. It half depends. Half it's going to cost 20 million to build our church. 4.8 million is not going to build you much of a 20 monster. 20 million to build your church? Yeah. Well, That's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's got God see, deserves it. It's got to see 3,000. What can I tell you? That's hey, uh, speaking of uh, evangelists that would do amazing things with money, uh, Gabriel Castillo is on with us this morning. Good morning to you, Gabe. Good morning, sir. It's an honor to be with you. Praise be to God. Uh, Gabby, after hours, True Faith TV. What would you do with $4.8 million if, if someone were to hand you a big check? I think you nailed it. I would probably put it in evangelization efforts, make a little donation or a good donation to the church, to our mm. local church. Yeah. Amen. What kind of you, you've been doing media a long time now and you do some incredible work. A lot of people have been uh, really affected by it. It's very beautiful, I would say, is one of the the hallmarks of what you do is it's uh, it's a beauty and it shares the beauty and the depth of of what we do here. But seriously though what projects would you work on with uh with a, a budget like 4.8 million so i'm i'm working on some pretty amazing projects even with like a shoestring budget mm -hmm. so right now we're working on a project um a documentary on our lady of guadalupe i've got a documentary on the holy land a documentary on our lady of good hope uh our lady of good help i'm sorry um, and so I would just get the little, I, I really only need little things. I need particular lenses, particular computers. Yeah. So I could probably make even 10,000 go a long way. So, yeah. But just imagine if you could, with 4.8 million, you could hire a staff. You'd have a team of editors that would be oh, yeah. cranking oh, out yeah. the oh, content. Yeah. Editors. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be, uh, shoestringing it over here. Editing <laughs> my own content. I'd be pumping out every day, daily videos. So yeah, yeah. that's a lot of money. You know, and uh, I love this thought and this the process because one of the areas that I see that has got a great potential, it's untapped energy, untapped opportunity in Catholic evangelization is on entertainment side. So we've got beautiful documentaries. Yes. There's still a chance yes. for creating wonderful uh, yes. drama movies or mo movies in general that are produ produced at a high level. Yes. And then, of course, distribution becomes its biggest challenge there. But, right. but yes. just pure entertainment, comedy, uh, and other types yes. and forms of entertainment that's done not campy, not in poor right. taste, not in bad humor, but done well. Right. Produced well, great writing, great acting, great performance, and high quality. I mean, I would do that if I had $4.8 million. Yeah, and you, you, I think you nailed it. A lot of times, Christian media, uh, people don't like it because it's too preachy. And then I was thinking about this. Why don't I like woke media? I also don't like woke media mm. because it's too preachy. That's a good point. I disagree with the... It's just when you're preaching at me, whether that's Christianity or wokeism, it, for some reason, it just does not work. Mm. So what is the secret then to evangelizing the world? Because it seems like we don't put enough resources into evangelizing the world. I mean, we are sitting here right. contemplating the hypothesis, the the idea of uh, what would we would do with $4.8 million. We gave $4.8 million right. to an organization that opposes us in uh, in faith right. and morals but we don't give 4.8 million dollars to evangelization so what uh, how do we evangelize this world right so i think first and foremost evangelization is the work of the holy spirit and i think you're we're all pointing in the right direction because it comes to 
telling stories. So everybody can tell a story, whether that's in the media or in the workplace. And the basic method of evangelization that nobody can refute is your own personal story. So I think every person needs to, to have some idea of what their story is and be willing to openly share it with anybody they come across. I was at T-Mobile yesterday and the guy who was servicing us noticed my rosary and he asked, what is that? And so that gave me an opportunity to tell a story. What was my life like before this encounter with God? What changed in my life? And finally, how is my life different? And even though that person might have been an atheist and they might not have had my same religious beliefs, they cannot deny an experience that I had. And I think that that's where we get lost a lot in our, in our Catholic stories. But we have to be willing to share that. But of course, first and foremost, asking the Holy Spirit for some guidance. You know, I think many times I've been in similar situations, and I wonder how many people are prepared for that when it happens. Like, have they right. even thought about that journey in their life, and can they put words to those emotions and those experiences? Right. Yeah, we all need to have like an elevator pitch. Um, now, there's no doubt about it that the Blessed Virgin Mary is the star of evangelization. We all have to have a relationship with God. We all have to have a relationship with the Virgin Mary. But she's really going to help us to be docile. So even if you don't have something prepared, if you ever feel that gut moment, that tingling in your fingers, the rapid heartbeat where you feel like you should say something, but you don't know what you should say, mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're equipped, good. You, you're not equipped. Um, if you think you're equipped, you're probably not equipped. You've got to pray to the Holy Spirit. Again, evangelization is the work of the Holy Spirit. St. John Paul II said, even the best programs of evangelization, even if you were throwing all the money at it, and I've seen some Catholic organizations waste a lot of money on the media, but if it's not the work of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how well prepared you are, mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen. So we have to have that docility of the Holy Spirit that reliance upon the Holy Spirit, that relationship with Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, and the queen of evangelization, 100%. I also think that we should be committed to helping organizations that are focused on evangelization, because yes, I think if, yes, we're, if we're honest, yes. you know, even if we're generous in our checkbooks, we support our parish, yes. we support our diocese, we support local organizations, right. but how many times are we yes. actually contributing, writing checks to, making sure that evangelization yes. is happening, which is why... Uh, we, you know, here at Catholic Radio, uh, this is what we do day in and day out, and yes. we just yes. wrapped up a, a fall share-a-thon. We're so grateful to everybody who who donated to us, but it's like yes. it's like a sliver. It's like a sliver yes. of all the Catholics that listen. It's down to like just a small, tiny fraction of those Catholics that do any of the heavy lifting. Why do you think Catholics in general, and uh, in, in a larger percentage, don't support the work? Well, and, and I want, let me go ahead and touch on something you mentioned first. So people give money. Like I think that good Catholics do the, the best they can to give money to their local church and to big missions of evangelization. But I would ask every Catholic who gives money, am I giving money to something that's fruitful? So our Lord said, you will judge a tree by its fruit. But there are a lot of organizations, big, big organizations with a lot of money that, because I do video productions. So sometimes these small companies hire me to do their video productions. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that people are giving you money because they're just wasting their money. Like they're making, 
productions or they're making, they're throwing money into organizations that really are not reaching that many people. Maybe they're reaching a hundred people. Um, and we really have to be as gentle as doves, but as cunning as serpents, especially where we put our resources. So Catholic drive time, Catholic radio, that reaches tons, thousands of people. That is a wise investment of money. And a lot of times, it, and we're supposed to help our local church, but if our local church is not reaching people, if our local church is dying, giving that part of the local church money is just throwing money into an empty pit. Uh, if, you're, if your priest isn't offering the confessions, if he's not offering uh, the reverence that you desire, either go somewhere else and stop wasting your money and let your money be where your mouth is, and I think things will happen. But yeah, we need to give more money. Um, and we need to put efforts into evangelization. Like you said, why don't Catholics give more? I think it's, it's a twofold problem. Uh, a great friend of mine who used to be a Protestant pastor said that we need to give money for our own soul's sake. Oftentimes money can be our own God and we are too afraid to give it out. Um, I, and I recently heard from Bishop Barron and there's another quote from St. John Chrysostom that the poor depend on the rich. And the rich depend on the poor to keep them out of hell. So if uh-huh. having money can actually be like a noose around your neck yeah. if, you, if you're too attached to it. Mm-hmm. And so we all have to examine, like, what are we attached to? Am I willing to let it go? Do I trust that God can provide? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those demons that we all struggle with, uh, the fear that God is not going to provide for me. So I think that might be at the heart of a lot of our lack of giving. Yeah, you know, in a digital age, I would most certainly invest some of that $4.8 million that we hypothetically give ourselves, uh, right. you know, towards uh, building up Catholic Radio, because in a day and an age where uh, digital yes. reigns supreme, I don't get to have conversations on digital mediums that I'm allowed to have on Catholic Radio, right. and exactly. I love radio for that, and so, uh, you know, where are the investors? Where's the George Soros of the of the world that gives right. us the access, the money to build the infrastructure to grow the reach and the access to the public in order to share the good, the true, and the beautiful? How many Catholics simply aren't thinking along those lines and aren't investing along those lines? Yeah. I often think of St. Maximilian Colby, I think of St. Uh, Paul, and like they were all about evangelization, reaching as many souls as possible. So many of the great saints before us spent you know, months traveling just to reach a small local community. And now, thanks to technology, those saints would be like, wow, this is the greatest thing we could imagine. I'm practically by... You and I are practically bilocating. We're not holy, but we're practically bilocating because you have people who are listening from all over the world, and you're sitting in your uh, studio in Houston, Texas. So that's it's quite an extraordinary technology that we have available to us. And really, the church is failing. The church used to be so great and so effective in the arts, in in music, in arch- architecture, and Everywhere I go, for the most part, the church is just, it's not beautiful as it used to be. It's not yeah. as good as it used to be. It's not preaching as true as it used to be. So we need to maximize and shine a light on all those places where the true, the good, and the beautiful is being promoted because that's what's going to draw in the hearts of men, these transcendentals that every person responds to. Now, I have a good report, though. Uh, I just saw yes, this please. morning that the cathedral in which my wife and I were married in 22 years ago this Friday has renovated. It is now epically beautiful. It was green carpet and crazy when we were married there. And now it's high altar and glorious and beautiful. So there's a chance. There's an opportunity. There's hope. 
But Gabriel Castillo, Gabby After Hours on YouTube and True Faith TV on YouTube. Check them out. It's beautiful work you should share with a friend. Gabe, thank you for your time. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Fear and Trembling is up next. 877-757-9424. Call now. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show Secrets and Agendas. Don't be laughing at me, Rudy. What's going on with you over there? We have secrets and agendas, but we don't tell anybody. That's the trick, okay? So you're not... Okay, if you keep this between us, I'll share them with you, all right? So uh, there you go. Number one, we like to teach the faith. Where, you know, we find teachable moments in the questions, and you're going to learn something. Praise be to God. That's always a good thing. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And... uh our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that most. But, of course, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody. Okay, you can't lose. You really, really can't lose. You get to learn something, you get to laugh, and you might win. It's a winner. So here's the actual kicker, though. Out of the three Catholic trivia questions I have in front of me, we will not be asking the caller any of them. They don't need to know. They might not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, 
and I shall ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Now, they all know they can trust me. It's them they have to worry about. But nonetheless, every correct answer then goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Oh, no. What? What's... What? We're down to our last coffee cup of Divine Providence replica. Ever? We said that Ever. The last one? Yep, the last one. Very last one. And we're giving it away this mm-hmm. week because mm-hmm. our sponsor is... It's us. We're, we're going to be giving away the very last coffee cup of Divine Providence replica mm-hmm. before it's transfigured into something else, version 2.0. Wow. And we're also going to be giving away a copy of Christopher Malloy's book. Uh, Malloy. False, Malloy. Mm-hmm. Christopher Malloy's book. False Mercy, and uh, we interviewed him on Monday, so we you did. can get a little taste of what the book is about, but yeah. uh, in any case, very good prizes this week. Yeah, praise be to God. Dr. Chris Malloy, a professor at UD in the North Texas uh, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, always great to talk to him. So it's a prize pack from Catholic Drive Time, so thank you very much, Catholic Drive Time, for your generous sponsorship, giving us prizes to give away to our audience. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Evan. Evan, are you there? Yeah. Praise be to God, Evan. Good morning to you. Good morning. Where are you from? Uh, Shirts, Texas. Shirts, Texas. I know exactly where that is. That's my old uh, stomping ground-ish, you know, territory there. A home of the great and mighty Judson Rockets. Are you a Rockets fan? Uh, No, I'm a Clemens fan. I'm so sorry, Evan. (laughs) My deepest and sincere condolences to you and your family for passing up on being... Being a uh, uh, Rockets fan for some other somewhat inferior, some would say, school. But nonetheless, uh, we appreciate you calling in today, Evan. Uh, How old are you? I am 12. You're 12? Wow. So you have a job then. You're paying taxes. (laughs) Not yet. But soon, right? Soon. Are you on your way to school today? Yeah. Where are you going to school? Uh, Corbett Junior High. Corbett Junior High. Praise be to God. Are you registered for the draft? <laughs> what, what is your favorite subject in school, Evan? Um, I think it's band. Band? Damn. What instrument? Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. What instrument? Oh, French horn. French horn. French oh. horn. My aunt plays the French horn. Yeah. That is impressive, uh, Evan. How long have you been playing the French horn? Since last year. Wow. That's pretty cool. Neat. I tried to join Ben in, in junior high. I went to Judge John H. Wood Junior High and Kitty Hawk Junior High. They wanted me to play the coronet, so I'm like, no, can't do it. Sorry. I wanted to play the sax, and they're like, nope, you don't have the mouth for it. I so. wanted to play the clarinet, and they didn't teach me how to read music. Yeah. And then what? they kicked me out. Yikes. <laughs> we're a bunch yeah. of band degenerates over here, Evan. We're dropouts. So, uh, we, we're counting on you to make us proud. All right. Do you know how the rules work, Evan? Do you, are you ready to play this game? Yes. All right, praise be to God. We will start with Rudy Carlos, as is the custom, the tradition here at Cabin Drive Time. And he's wearing another rich man's tie. Oh, yeah. Um, Royal Irish poplin. Poplin. Stripes. Yeah, yeah poplin. That's, that's like a banker's tie. It's uh, silk and wool. You look that's like you're poplin. about to give somebody a loan. I at am. a high interest rate, nonetheless. Yeah. Okay. Your production company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to play, sir? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of scientists? Uh, that would be St. Albert Order of Preachers. St. 
Albert Order of Preachers. You just had to go with a Dominican, huh? Dominican. Dominican. That's his okay. nickname. Interesting choice there. Okay. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, uh, who is the patron saint of scientists? Well, assuming we're talking about mm -hmm. scientists, uh, capital S, trademark over the T. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yes. The scientists. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go with Saint Fauci. Really? Uh huh. I saw holy holy um, candles for him. Is he oh, also man. a Dominican? Probably. No, no. definitely not. No? I think he's a Franciscan, actually. What? You can tell no. by the way he looks. <laughs> he dresses way too nice for that. Uh, all right, interesting choice there. Evan, you got options here. Who is the patron saint of scientists? Adrian said it's, is uh, Saint Fauci uh, versus Rudy says Saint Albert OP or Order of Preachers. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Evidence Shirts, Texas. What say you? Rudy. Are you sure? Are you I sure? Mean, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Congratulations, Evan. It is Saint. I don't know how you knew that. Albert. Imagine OP. if it actually was a Fauci. <laughs> Just not this one. That would be hilarious. Not the one we know. Saint That'd Albert the Great. That'd be yeah, You know, he invented the first robot. St. Albert the Great. Of what year are we talking? We're about? talking like the 14th century. So it was like rubber bands. Or it something? was uh, like a time travel. It's <laughs> something for the after show. Okay, we'll have to <laughs> talk story. about that after show. All right, all right, Albert. Uh, Albert, Evan, congratulations. St. <laughs> Albert is the correct answer. You're in the cup. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your choices. Going to Adrian this time. Adrian, can you tell me? I uh, probably. What was the blessing? given to women after childbirth unless the child was illegitimate. Ah, yes. That blessing was called excommunicatio. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Excommunicatio. Excommunicatio is a blessing? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, interesting. Gesundheit. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. All right. Uh, Rudy, maybe you can help. Uh, what was the blessing given to women after childbirth? Unless, of course, the child was illegitimate. <laughs> Good little, yeah, I like that little, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> little addition there. Yes, yeah. sir. It's called the churching of women. And it used really? to be that after childbirth, the, yeah. the, the, mm -hmm. uh, the mom would stand at the, uh, at the foot of the, uh, the doorway there. I'm forgetting the name of what it's called. Mm -hmm. And they would give her the blessing. She would enter into the community again. That's amazing. I've seen it. Also given uh, at uh, baptism sometimes, right? This, yeah. this particular blessing, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Evan, is it the uh, churching of women, as Rudy is suggesting, or is it the excommunicatio? What would you say? Excommunicatio. Excommunicatio, as Adrian is trying to make us believe. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Evan, what say you? Rudy? Wow. That was very unsure. <laughs> 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 that's all right, Evan. Uh, I like it, Evan. I, I think it's uh, that's good. That's good. You should be uh, less confident when going to Rudy twice in a row. It's <laughs> <laughs> dangerous. Excommunicatio was not the correct answer. Uh, that would be kind of the opposite of uh, of churching of women. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. but churching of women is the correct answer. Congratulations, Evan. You didn't fall for that at all. This next one could be tricky. It Easiest question we've ever had. We've had it before, though. Yes, we have. Uh, it could be tricky, but let's just give it a try. We're going to go back to Rudy. Now, Rudy. Okay, buddy. Buddy. This is, this is, everything's on the line okay, here for, chief, for, for Evan. Buddy, chief, pal. You like those, don't you? Those are the best. <laughs> Look here, pal. Could you tell me? Don't mess this up for Evan. What is the nickname 
given to the superior general of the Jesuits. Okay, you know those old-timey uh, cartoons they used to draw out, and they would be like, oh, it's a threat to our democracy. The Pope is over here. He's pulling all the strings. They used to call him the Supreme Leader. Really? Yeah. Wow. The Supreme Leader. Yeah, uh, well, they thought the Pope was in line with the Jesuits, so essentially the leader of the Jesuits they would call the Supreme Leader. The Supreme... That's right. Is that... Leader, you Is said. that where they got it for Star Wars? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adrian, maybe you could help. Uh, what is the nickname given to the Superior General of the Jesuit community? Ah, yes, yes. They were called... He was called... The Black Pope. The Black Pope. Not because of his skin color, Ooh, but mm, because... Racist. Yeah, no. Because mm. of his cassock. He wore really? a black cassock instead of a white cassock. Oh, I see. And so they call him okay. the yeah. Black Pope. All right. Well, Evan, you got options. Uh, the nickname, it's a nickname. Uh, it's not the official title, but the nickname for the Superior General of the Jesuits. Is it the Black Pope, as Adrian says, or the Supreme Leader? As Rudy suggests, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Evan in Shirts, Texas. What say you, good sir? Adrian. You're just going to admit Adrian? Just gonna... Adrian! Look how confident he was. Just... Did it hesitate? I mean, poor just, Rudy. Just poor, Rudy. For it. <laughs> poor Rudy gets a Rudy. And That's right. Adrian mm -hmm. gets an Adrian. Uh, clearly, Evan is a wise young man. Uh, wise wow. beyond his years. Wise beyond your mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Well, Evan, you are correct. The Black Pope was the correct answer because of the color of the cassock. Uh, so there you go, folks. There Evan, you, go. you did well. Perfect score, sir. You didn't fall for any of our shenanigans. Congratulations. Evan, have a great day. Hopefully you're still there. <laughs> God bless you, right. Evan. Enjoy your day at school. Give the Judson Rockets a chance. That's all I'm asking, Evan. Just one chance. They're great. Even though I went there, they're great. Praise Despite the fact that Despite Joe went there. Despite the fact. Hey, uh, and maybe someday we'll get a sampling of your French horn. That'd be amazing. Praise be to God. But we're going to put you on hold, Evan. That's going to do it. For the radio side of our show, thanks for having a laugh and a chuckle. Join us in the after show. We'd love to conversate with you directly. You get to drive the conversation with your commentary at grnonline.com forward slash C. D.T. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Wenceslas. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all our online viewers and all those listening on a Guadalupe Radio Network. For all the saints who from their labors rest, 
who thee by faith before the world confessed. Thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God in mercy in us forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who taught the martyr Saint Wenceslas to place the heavenly kingdom before an earthly one, Grant through his prayers that denying ourselves, we may hold fast to you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Job. Job answered his friends and said, I know well that it is so, but how can a man be justified before God? Should one wish to contend with him, he could answer him once in a thousand times. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has, who has withstood him and remained unscathed? He removes the mountains before they know it. He overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place and the pillars beneath it tremble. He commands the sun, and it rises not. He seals up the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads upon the crest of the sea. He made the baron and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He does great things past finding out, marvelous things beyond reckoning. Should he become near me, I see him not. Should he pass by, I am not aware of him. Should he seize me forcibly, who can say him nay? Who can say to him, what are you doing? How much less shall I give him any answer, or choose out arguments against him? Even though I were right, I could not answer him. He should rather beg for what was due me. If I appealed to him, and he answered my call, I could not believe he would hearken my words. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Daily I call upon you, O Lord. To you I stretch out my hands. Will you work wonders for the dead? Will the shades arise to give you thanks? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. 
Do they declare your mercy in grave, you faithful among those who have perished? Are you wonders made known in the darkness? Are your justice in the land of the obliv oblivion? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. But I, O Lord, cry out to you. With my morning prayer I wait upon you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me? Why hide from me why hide from me your face? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. I consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to my family at home. Jesus answered him, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind, is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. As we continue this journey through the book of Job, we see one of the key things that happens when, when we start to suffer. Everybody comes out of the woodwork and they try to explain why. Well, it's because you're being punished or maybe you know that it's the devil and it's uh you know something you did wrong or god is testing you or whatever the, the truth is job is saying it doesn't matter why god is god god has this hidden decree the most important thing is what we do with it and and the same thing is true for the gospel you know when you're when a when a young man is about to get married you don't have to, I do like a little, I try to do a little um, exercise with them. Usually they come and say, I don't know if I should really get married. Is this really God's will? You know, do this little test. Do you want to spend the rest of your life with this person? Go and say it within a split second. You should know the answer and it should be very, very certain that that's what you want to do. Or try imagining spending the rest of your life without this person. Go. And if they feel this dread of losing them, there's definitely, you know, a real connection there. And the reason for this is that the human heart is made for communion. We are made for oneness. We're made for covenant love. And with, with a, a human love, there shouldn't be any, any competition at all. There should be nothing. You shouldn't have anything else on the docket. And 
the, uh, Pope John Paul in his book Love and Responsibility says the the other person has a forcefulness of weight upon your consciousness that, that borders upon a kind of uh, preoccupation. And this is what this infatuation or this the human will is made by God to be aided in communion. And so that intensity should be there. How much more for God? If we're following God, there should be no close second. God should be number one, numero uno, and if he's not, then you really have to reconsider, what am I attached to? You know, and it's the same in, in a divine relationship. Some people will say, I don't know why I, I did this. or like, I think that's a wasted question. That's almost a justification of uh, giving yourself an excuse to not have God as number one. It doesn't matter why. You just need to figure out how to get everything else out of the way so that God can truly be number one. Uh, I used to be a formator in the seminary, and I remember once there was a seminarian who really, he really didn't want to be there. I mean, just asked him point blank one day, do you want to be here? And he said, I don't think so. He said, please do yourself a favor and go home because we don't want any half-hearted men. Uh, we want people who are fully here with their whole heart and soul. And he was, it was really hard to be around him. It was causing problems for other seminarians. When he left, it was a, a very clear, like, there was a certain kind of happiness in the room because everybody there wanted to be there. And the same is true for following. If you're really going to follow the Lord God, the human heart is made for communion. It's made to be completely and totally dedicated on, and in fact, a certain kind of being consumed with God, that God is everything in your mind and your heart and your soul. In fact, the commandment of Jesus, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind. And if it's not that way, you have to figure out what you need to sacrifice to God. For even very good things come in as very, very high seconds. Uh, you know, St. Wenceslas and our Blessed Mother and all the saints have this kind of radical God-centered or Christ-centeredness. And they need to teach us this, that we are able to let go of every other thing and to have Jesus truly and deeply as number one. And the love that he has for us is the thing that helps us do this because we realize in his mind he has placed us as such high importance that he has laid down his life for us. He shed every blood, every drop of his blood for us. We can do at least the same by sacrificing all our life totally to God and doing everything for him. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that following the Lamb of God, we may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, by their dedication and consecration, they may shepherd the flock, and that the flock would be faithful to the Lord God. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in devotion and following of Jesus, an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may 
generously respond to Jesus in his disguise. For these we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our intentions and all those intentions of those listening on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all our online viewers for whom we offer this Mass. For these we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for I make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Sanctify our offerings by your blessing, O Lord, we pray. And by your grace, may we be set afire with the flame of love that through which St. Wenceslas overcame every bodily torment. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr, St. Wenceslas, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty, without end, we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, osanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, osanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration 
that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Wedzislas, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth you will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, to whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen.
Precepti salutar hibus moniti, et divin institutioni formati. Audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, santifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emiten nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Anustehi, que tolis pecata mundi, miserere nobis. Anustehi, que tolis pecata mundi, miserere nobis. Anustehi. Qui tolis peccata mundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Antiphon. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, says the Lord. Act of Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Tecum, 
Benedicta tu hen mulieribus, et benedictus fructum ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation. All praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer, Thy reign extend, O King, be nigh to every land and nation. For in Thy kingdom, Lord divine, alone we find salvation. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. Let us pray. May the sacred mysteries of which we have partaken, O Lord, we pray, give us that determination which made your blessed martyr, Saint Wenceslas, Faithful in your service and victorious in suffering through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above. O Maria, hail Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. Triumph, O ye cherubim, sing with us, ye seraphim. Heaven and earth rebound the hymn, Salve, Salve. Salve Regina, our life, our sweetness here below. O Maria, our hope in sorrow and in woe. O Maria, triumph all ye cherubim, sing with us ye seraphim. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.